Off Me Block, Chapter 9, The Bitch and the Bride. As me old one used to say, save your pennies, Tommy, but spend your time. No point in saving it, you can't cash it in when your number's up, son. And that's exactly what I did, and for Jesus sake, didn't time only fucking fly. It was like the kids grew up overnight. By 2008, Safina was only a fucking stunner of a 25-year-old, and Garrett a handsome young buck at 21. Safina had followed in her one's footsteps and had trained as a hairdresser. Thankfully, no nippers came along this time around, so she was able to go one further than her ma and actually complete the training. She qualified in 2003, and by 2005, she was making a fortune running her own little salon in Black Rock. Garrett went off to college to study fashion design, which should have set the alarm bells ringing, but didn't. I was just too happy to think anything of it, you know. I'd gone from a doghouse on the shit heap to having a great relationship with me kids and even getting back to civil terms with the other, uh, with the infinite, uh, sort of. I was still on the blocks of penny safe, but now I was once again a charge hand and actually enjoying the work. That happy satisfaction that I'd had in me job had found me again after all the years, and I was more than happy to just get on with things. Against me better judgement, I'd started dating again, but it actually panned out for me this time. I met Janine at a Christmas party in 2007, and we hit it off right away. It was late in January before I called her, I was nervous, you know. Once bitten and all that. But I thought, fuck it, I'll go for it. And I did. I never looked back. We took it nice and slow. After this shotgun-inspired roller coaster that was my relationship with Infinite, I wanted to do this properly. Janine was only too happy to go along with this. She was only a few years out of a long-term relationship herself. And by all accounts, your man had been a right prick. She was just as hesitant as myself. And sure, can you blame her? That first night we went out, I tell you though, I was only going to go and dump her. She was nice and all, but my Jesus, her old table manners weren't the best. We went to a posh restaurant on Leeson Street, and didn't it only dawn on me as soon as we walked in the door that it was the same place that myself and Gillian had split up in donkeys years ago. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked here. She was nice and all, as I was saying, she still is. But Jesus, hadn't she a terrible habit of scraping the food off her fork with her teeth and fucking smacking with her mouth open? The noise she made set me bleeding, bones on edge. Still does to this day, gets on me fucking wick, so it does. But she was only bleeding gorgeous and being a sucker for a stunner. I made up me mind to stick with it and boy Jesus, I'm glad I did. Glaciers move faster than we did for Jesus' sake, but it was worth it. I wanted to do this right. The kids took to her straight away, I suppose because she didn't try to be anything other than herself when they were around, and they appreciated that. The other one though, she did not like her. The fucking cheek of her. I mean, I was out of the picture for years, and she'd had more men in her life than a bleeding troop transporter for fuck's sake. But there you go, exes will be exes, and once a jealous, spiteful geebag of a cow, always a jealous, spiteful geebag of a cow, I suppose. All I could do was keep the two of them apart as much as I could. That was a fairly easy thing to do. We didn't exactly run in the same social circles. And as Janine wasn't a pig, she was never likely to meet Dimfina down at the trough now, was she, huh? Me efforts to keep the pair of them apart were to get considerably harder after Christmas Eve 2008. 
Myself and Janine had arranged to meet Garrett and Safina in McKenna's down there in Dunleary for a few quiet points to mark the season. Just a couple of drinks and maybe a couple of mulled wines, you know. As they'd be spending Christmas Day with their ma and her old pair, it would be the only chance I'd get to spend with them over the Christmas. So myself and herself are sitting there waiting for them when in walks Garrett all on his tod. Where's your sister, says I. She's on her way, says he. She has a surprise for you. Ah, oh, grand, so what are you having, son? A Cuba Libra, please, da, says he. A Cuba, what, says I? A Cuba Libra, da, it's a Bacardi and Coke. Well, for Jesus' sake, wouldn't you just say that? Loving mother of God, I should have known what lay ahead of me. Now, shouldn't I? So we're sitting there having a bit of banter and a jar for about half an hour or so before Safina finally arrives. In she breezes me, little princess, only bleeding gorgeous she looked. So after we got the hugs and what have you out of the way, I asks her what she'd like to drink. Champagne, daddy, says she, and I'm buying. I have some news for you. Ah, oh, Jesus, pet says, oh, you're not bleeding preggers, are you? I am in me shite, that pregnant. Are you mad or what, says she? No, this is good news. I'm getting married, isn't it great? Wild horses could have done river dance on me giblets, and I wouldn't have fucking flinched. Gobsmack's not the word. Married, says I. To who? Me fella, she says. Well, it's obviously your fucking fella, pet. That's fucking obvious. It's hardly the fucking Pope now, is it? Uh, what I mean is, pet, who is this fella and why the fuck haven't I heard about him? Ah, don't be like that, da, says she. We've only been going out for a while. That's why you haven't heard of him. Sure, I haven't seen you since I met him. You saw me six weeks ago for Janine's birthday, pet, says I. Why didn't you tell me then, for Jesus' sake? Because I hadn't met him then, smart arse, says she. Once again, you could have run the likes of a bell sander across me bollocks and I wouldn't have felt it. Such was me shock. Do you mean to tell me that you're marrying a fella you know less than six weeks? What, what are you trying to do to me, Pat? Give me a stroke or something. Ah, da, says she, less of the dramatics, for God's sake. You can be such an L one sometimes, do you know that? Safina, oh, I'm just saying. Well, don't just say, says she. Just go with it, daddy, will you? Be happy for me. He's out in the parking lot parking the car. The parking lot, says I, where did that come from? All right, then, says she. The car park. He'll be in in a minute, so be nice, all right. Safina, says I. Janine cut me off. What's his name, pet? She asks her. Sinjin. Sinjin Barton Higgs, says she. Sinjin Barton Higgs? Loving mother of fuck, what kind of Jesus? Well, stupid, poxy fucking name is that, says I. Da, shut up, she says. Here he is. He'll hear you, for God's sake. She got up from the table and walked over to this prick of a ponce that was only mincing through the lounge, looking for all the world, like a cross between your man Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen and Ryan fucking Tuberty. My Jesus, he looked like a Brillo pad with a knitting needle shoved up its arse. Whatever there was of him, and there wasn't much, but I can guarantee fucking tea 95% of it was hair, loving fuck the state of him. Not to be a prick and calling to mind me first meeting with the other ones, old lad, I stood up to meet him. Be nice, be nice, that's what I kept repeating in me mind. I put me hand out to him. How are you, pal, says I, Tommy Costello, Safina's da. He shook me hand in return. Well, I say shook, but it was more like he was holding a piece of shitty toilet paper, so limp was his grasp, if you know what I mean. I decided there and then that this lad was a prick, and I was never going to like him. Ever so pleased to meet you, Mr. Costello. It's a pleasure. 
Laughing, suffering, fuck I thought, is this lad for real? Who fucking talks like that outside of a Jane Austen book? He was a big fucker and I don't mean muscly, for fuck's sake, if he stood sideways he disappeared, but by Christ was he tall. He stood a good nine or ten inches over me and I'm no midget and don't get me started on the hair. Mother of Jesus, there was tons of it. It was like he was knitted from the neck up. He'd make your man slash look like Telly Savalas for fuck's sake. Then there was the clothes. This fucker was actually wearing a cravat and honest to God, straight out of Sherlock fucking Holmes bleeding cravat. Introductions over and done with, we got on with the night. As our little group bantered back and forwards, I swamped two or three points as I tried to get the mark of this fella who wanted to marry me little princess. In fairness, he seemed mad about her. And who wouldn't be for Jesus' sake? She's only a fucking stunner. And he seemed to tick all the boxes too. He hung on her every word. He stood up when she got up to go to the toilet. He wouldn't let her put her hand in her pocket. And when he looked at her, in fairness to him, his face lit up. He genuinely seemed mad about her. Still, I'm a daddy, and like all fathers, I had set the bar very high when it comes to measuring up potential sons-in-law. The difference between having a daughter and a son is this. When you have a son, you only have to worry about the one Mickey. When you have a daughter, you have to worry about all the other fucking Mickeys in the world. Beer goggles being what they are, after I'd swamped another couple of points, sure Jesus, I thought that he was the best thing since sliced bread. Another thing, as he wasn't short of a few bob, I took full advantage of his generosity and had a few large baileys as the evening progressed. I managed to check myself though, later on in the night, you know, I decided not to let myself be won over by a few free drinks. As the man says in Vino Veritas, in other words, you drink enough, you let your guard down and the true you comes out. So I slackened me pace and tried to sober up a little bit. I wanted him to get more drunk than I'd be, then I'd see his true colours. It was a futile effort, me friend. That hairy fucker just kept plying me with the gargle, and who was I to look a gift horse in the mouth? It was easy to tell he was from good stock, and from how he'd spoken during the evening, it was very clear that his family weren't short of a few bob either. I did me best to ignore the name dropping that he started throwing into every bleeding sentence, and don't get me started on how many times he mentioned that he was afraid that the R8 would get dinged by some fucker in a fiesta. As the jars piled on and his guard was lowered, I could plainly see that this was nothing more than a jumped up little daddy's boy who was good for nothing else but spending his old lad's money and looking down his nose at the likes of myself and me little family. Jarred as I was, I'd been right to begin with. This lad was a prick. Plain and simple, short and fucking sweet. By last orders, I was ready to plug the fucker and leave him in a lime-filled hole up in the Dublin mountains. Only for Janine, I probably would have. So I held me tongue and me fists and let all his shite talk slide over me. Well, at least until the conversation turned to the wedding. Daddy says he could probably get us into the Shelburne, so long as it's not a bank holiday weekend, it should be no problem. And then, Daddy says if we wanted to, he could probably organise the pro-cathedral for the ceremony. And then, Mom was thinking that the groomsmen should wear ivory satin suits. She thinks Louis could knock them up, no problem if she gives him a buzz. And finally, and this was the clincher, Mommy thinks both fathers should wear matching suits so that when they give you away, Excuse me, says I indignant, when they give her away, did I fucking well hear that right? 
Oh, says he, I know it's traditional for the bride's father to give her away, but mom and dad thought it would be nice if dad. Mom and dad, says I. Now, pardon me, French Sinjin, but mom and dad can go and fuck themselves, pal. Da, not now, Safina, says I. The other lad was staring at me as though I just told him to go and shove a hot poker up his hole. Mr. Costello, Tommy, oh, I meant no offence, it's just... I was well jarred by this stage. The first time I had been in a long, long time. I did me best to check me words, but this jumped up daddy's boy had wound me up good and proper. The fucking neck of him. Listen, pal, you might not have meant to, but you have offended me. I'm her father. I'll be the only one giving her away if and when this marriage happens. It's happening, dad, whether you like it or not, Safina snapped. That's fair enough, pet, says I. If that's what you want to do, who am I to tell you otherwise? But I will say this. It's a tradition for the bride's father and no one fucking else to give her away. Are we clear on that? I suppose so, but the other lad pipes up. Supposing nothing. And another thing, another tradition. Safina, as your father, I'll pay for it. All of it. Suffered and fuck how much do I wish I could take those words back now. Ah, Mr. Costello, Tommy, says he. We'll have none of it. Your mom and dad would be only too. Listen, Sinjin, all due respect to your old pair, man. I'm sure they're a right lovely pair of fuckers altogether. But we're Costellos. We pay our own way in the world. We do not accept charity. And if you two are intent on rushing into this, I'm paying for it. All of it. Every last cent. Agreed. They looked at each other for a couple of seconds before Safina turned to me. Agreed, Dad, but only if you're sure. Safina, says I, I ruined the last day you wore white. I want to make amends for that. You're me daughter. I love you. And I want you to have the best day ever. Are you sure now, Dad, says she? It's not cheap these days. Safina, me word is gold. You can take it to the bank, pet. The rest of the evening was a blur. We managed to squeeze another couple of quick ones in before closing. We said our goodbyes and Janine steered me home, stopping every now and again so that I could spatter me new brogues with a cocktail of half-digested Baileys and Guinness. I woke up Christmas morning and wasn't I only fucking dying. I had that horrible fuzziness in me brain and that horrible fear of having said or done something the night before that I'd regret for the rest of me life. I've no shame in telling you, I fucking bawled when Janine filled me in. The wedding was booked for August, and loving Jesus, don't get me started on it. It was a nightmare, a fucking terribly expensive nightmare from start to finish. Loving lantern and mother of God, I never knew there could be so many things that could cost money. 200 euros for fucking canapes. 800 euros for a fucking champagne reception to welcome 200 fuckers that I don't know, like, or even care for. Loving Jesus, all I could think was, where am I going to get this money from? It wasn't like that back in my day, I can tell you. Granted, my own situation was different. All I needed for that was a pig in a white dress and a loaded shotgun. But when all me mates were getting married, it roughly followed the same routine each and every time. You went to the pub. Well, you went to the church first of all. First and foremost, let's not forget about holy God. And then you went to the pub. You had your sandwiches. You had your trifle. Everybody bought their own drink. We got pissed. Maybe had a fisty cuff or two. And then we all went fucking home. 
None of this shite these days. You have photographers, videographers, going away outfits, party favours, flowers, centrepieces, red carpet, string quartet, limos, a band and a fucking DJ. Money for the priest, money for the altar boys, tips for the drivers, the fucking toast, the dress, the shoes, the hair and makeup. Loving Jesus, there, there was no end to it. No matter how much overtime, no matter how much I saved, the old bank balance kept falling like a loose hoer's knickers up on Ben Borb Street on payday. I often thought I might have to get back to the gigging, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. As I've said before, I was out of the game for far too long and the thought of actually standing up on a stage made me feel sick, so that was out the window. I could have always gone to know me da. But we'd more or less drifted apart by that stage. As I said to you earlier, after he told me the story and went back to Cyprus, we never saw or spoke to each other again. Right, we sent each other cards at Christmas and what have you, but we never talked on the phone or anything like that. It's not that I had any problems with him or anything. It's just that I think I found out too late. I was too set in me ways to bother about dealing with it, you know. So I couldn't very well ring him up out of the blue after so long and ask him to pay for a fucking wedding now, could I? I'm sure he would have done it at the drop of a hat, I mean, she was after all his only granddaughter. But it didn't seem right to take his money again, so I didn't bother calling him. I wish I had done though, pal, not for the money, but for other reasons that I'll get to in a while. I've said some things in my life that I deeply regret. I do would be chief among them and I honestly thought that it would never be topped. But telling Safina I'd pay for the wedding, well now, that just took the fucking biscuit, didn't it? The list of things that were needed was endless and nothing came cheap at all. As I said, the savings took a wallop and me bank balance was losing weight faster than a supermodel and there seemed to be no end in sight. About six weeks before the wedding, I agreed to meet Safina and the other tool for breakfast one Sunday morning. It was just to go over a few things, you know, and I was also hoping to be maybe able to talk her out of one or two things. Things that were a bit too much in my mind. Princess she might have been, but let's face it, she was no posh spice now, was she? Take, for example, the two white doves. To be released by the happy couple at the door of the church after the ceremony. A nice touch, but a bit over the top, if you ask me. Total cost, 85 euros. Or another one, satin wraps for the end of the pews. 82 of them in all. Total cost, 310 euro, if you don't fucking mind. That's three weeks shopping right there, you know what I mean. Things were starting to get seriously out of hand. Anyways, I arrived at the hotel for the bit of brekkie, and who's there with them only that other fucking pig of an ex-wife of mine, the dog. What's she doing here, I says to myself. Don't say anything, Tommy, don't say anything, just go along with it. It'll be grand, it'll be grand. Just go along with it, buddy, and keep your cool. So I said nothing. I just sat down, didn't even look at the cow. So there we are having a nice bit of breakfast when out comes the list. The very fucking long list, I might add. We're going through it, you know, bit by bit. When I sees this thing down at the very bottom, SB, it says, 380 euro. Safina says, I, eh, what does SB stand for? Ah, that's nothing, daddy, don't worry about it. Indeed, and I will, Ped, if I'm paying for it, says I, I want to know what SB bloody means. Uh, now, what is it? It's nothing, the other pig pipes up. You, shut your wish, says I. 
Jesus, she shot me a look like a cow licking piss off a nettle, dead jug. Safina says, I, listen, hon, I'm out working morning, noon and night to pay for this wedding, and I want to know what SB is. It's for some beds, daddy, says she. Now, if you seen my Safina, she's as fair as milk, for God's sake. If she even looked at a picture of the sun for too long, she'd burn up like a rash of rind. Safina says, I, you'll kill yourself on those things. That's not for me, says she. I won't be going on them. It's for Mammy. Loving lantern and Jesus, I went fucking ballistic. For her, I screams. What does her want a fucking tan for, for Jesus' sake? As it is, her face is like a dried up riverbed in Arizona. I tell you now, pal, that's where Ockram was lost. Cups of tea went all over the wall. Marmalade, scrambled eggs, all went everywhere. The whole fucking lot. It was like bleeding World War Three. The other one went for me, bald-headed, a butter knife clutched in her hand, the fucking bowsy. Only for Sinjin she might have got to me too. He grabbed her and held her back while I made me exit. It was a fucking disaster from start to finish. Any progress that had been made between herself and myself to get them back on good terms was out the fucking window. The upshot of it was that I was now in the doghouse with Safina again, and although I was still paying for the thing, I was technically uninvited from the proceedings. So there I was, at odds with me daughter yet again, and paying for a wedding that I was no longer attending. You see, Safina knew that myself and the other one couldn't be in the same room together. That Sunday evening she rang me. The gist of the conversation was, you can pay for the wedding, but you can't come. She didn't want any aggro on the big day. That was that. And Dopey here agreed to it. If only to stay in Safina's good books. I'd never forgotten her communion day and the look she gave me for ruining it. If making her wedding day meant paying for it but staying away, so be it, pal. I've a little bit of advice for you. Never get married. Never have kids. And never ever open your fucking trap when you've a few jars on you because it's liable to cost you a million fucking rows and at least 20 fucking grand i didn't hear from anyone in the family for the next few weeks and if i was to be honest with you it bothered me big time i went on the last one sunday night when it got to be a bit too much for me to handle Janine was down home in kilkenny with her family for a week and i was at a loose end so i swamped points big fucking mistake pal I woke up the next morning in rag order. Me brain felt like it was trying to escape from me head and even bending over hurt. There was curry sauce matted in me chest hair and I can tell you getting that out was fucking sore. I stumbled down the stairs in search of a cupper and what do I find in the hall but a note addressed to myself. It read, Tommy, we need to talk peace. We have to get everything sorted out. Can you meet me at some stage to talk? Give me a buzz on the number at the bottom, St. John. I hadn't a clue who it was from, so I rang the number on the note. Who's this, says I. You rang me, who's this? Listen, pal, says I, less of the funny business. I'm only doing what the note asked me to do, so less of your lip. Now, who the fuck is this? Oh, Tommy, I didn't recognise your voice. You sound a bit rough. A, a, a bit, around the edges, but I'm grand. Now, will you tell me who I'm fucking talking to? It's Sinjin, says he. Sinjin, Safina Sinjin, the one and only Tommy, the one and only, says he. Uh, who the fuck left the note? I did. Well, why didn't you sign your own name? I hadn't a fucking clue who I was ringing, pal. 
I did sign my own name, says he. No, you didn't, says I. It says St. John. That's me, Tommy. It's spelled that way, but it's pronounced Sinjin. Why, says I, that's a load of me bollocks. Are you telling me that there's a full stop smack bang in the middle of your fucking name? It's for the abbreviation. My name is St. John, but it's pronounced Sinjin. So yes, Tommy, uh, there is a full stop. You mean to tell me that my daughter's marrying a fella called St. John Barton fucking Higgs? Yes, is that a problem? Nope. Are you sure, Tommy? You sound like you have an issue with it. Nope, I'm fine, pal, but I'll tell you this much for nothing fucking sunshine. You're not naming any of the grandkids, and you can take that to the bank, do you fucking hear me? Look, enough of this, Tommy, says he. Can you meet me today? Kill the jets, pal, don't be getting fucking shorty with me, says I. Now, to answer you, yes, I can, pal. We agreed to meet for lunch in Black Rock, or the rock, as the other wanker liked to call it. We met in a little place on Carysford Avenue that looked way too expensive for me taste, and sure enough it fucking was. We took a table by the window, and as I scanned the menu looking for the cheapest thing on it, he prattled on about how important Safina was to him. Jesus went on for ages, so he did. The upshot of it was, if I was willing to apologise to Dymphna, all would be good again. Now, having to do that would be harder and more painful than dry humping a cheese grater in the nod. But I wanted Safina to be happy. I wanted to be there on our big day. So I agreed to it, pal. I ordered something I couldn't fucking pronounce from the menu because it was only 12 euro, while the other bollocks went for the tuna steak, costing all of 25 fucking euros. A few minutes later, I have a plate of raw fish in front of me. Uh, what the fuck is this, says I to the waitress. It's what you ordered, sir, says she. Uh, well, it's obvious that it's what I ordered. What I'm asking is, uh, what the fuck is it? It's sushi, Tommy, says the other lad. The waitress fucked off as soon as he had diverted me attention. That's raw fucking fish is what it is, and I'm not going to eat it. Twelve euros, and the fuckers won't even cook it. Tommy, it's sushi. You eat it raw. The Japanese love it. Do I fucking look Japanese? Here, young one, I shouts. Take this back. She storms back to the table and whips it away. Just bring me a salad, I shouted after, knowing full well that there was going to be a bogey or two in it. Jesus, the only time I ever ate raw fish was when I was a nipper, and the mother hadn't got 50p for the gas meter, and the owl lad was after catching 80 mackerel down in Dunleary, and I was force-fed it. It was out of necessity. Don't forget there was 15 mouths to feed in that little flat. So the waitress comes back with a salad with what looks like dried Mickey tops sprinkled on it. Loving lantern, Jesus, I'm not eating that. They look like wrinkly knobs, for God's sake. Says he, oh, Tommy, don't worry about it. They're sun-dried tomatoes. The Italians love them. Do I fucking look Italian, says I. I'm fucking Irish. I like coddle and Guinness and a cup of tea. Now, will you take this back and bring me something simple, pet? Something an ordinary Joe soap like myself can enjoy. She rolls her eyes to heaven, and I know I'm getting the worst she can throw at me when she brings whatever it is this time. She comes back a few minutes later with bread and jam and a glass of water, the smart fucking cunt. And I wouldn't mind, but the fuckers charged me 15 euro for it, the bastards. Anyways, I'm losing the run of myself here. The upshot of the meeting, as I said, was if I was to apologise to that other fucking cow, things would be good again. So, as much as it stuck in me craw, I agreed to do it. I rang her that evening and apologised. She fucking gloated in it, the bitch. 
I hung up the phone, put me fist through the wall and broke four of me bleeding fingers. I hated that the cow still had a hold over me. The weeks were only flying by and the wedding was getting even closer. I tell you though, the more I got to know the other lad, the more I didn't like him. He was just so full of airs and graces, you know, as if his shite didn't smell or something. He was a condescending prick too. No matter what you said, the fucker would come back at you with something and make you feel like a spare prick. Do you know what I mean? And he didn't work. Ah no, working seemed to be too much of a bother for the fucker. He was a student. I asked him once about what he was studying. Life, says he. Are you taking the piss, says I. Not in the least, he says, in that smug Donnybrook accent of his. I'm studying humanities in Trinity. Uh, what is that, says I. Tommy, says he, adjusting the poxy cravat and making me wish I'd never bleeding well asked. Humanities is the study of ancient and modern languages, philosophy, religion, cultural studies and so on. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, says I. Uh, what does it qualify you for like St. John, I asked. It prepares one for life. It prepares the mind to search deep the intricacies of this world. Turns you into a waffling fucking prick, Sinjin, if you ask me. The wedding was upon us before I could finish lamenting the cost of the thing. Twenty-five grand all told. Thank you very much. Loving fuck. I was on the verge of putting Janine on the game by the time the bills finally stopped coming in. But in all fairness, it was worth it to see me Safina so happy. If that was to be the cost... Well then, who am I to gripe about it, pal? The night before the big day with sheer fucking bedlam going on in my gaff, with Janine faffing over her hair, makeup, shoes and what have you, I fucked off with young Garrett for a few points. We went up to the Druid's chair in Kalini. It was a lovely summer's evening, so we sat outside for the few jars. I sent himself inside to order the beers and a pack of fags. He comes back out a few minutes later. As if I didn't have enough drama thrown at me over the years, Garrett decides that it would be a good time to throw another one at me. Da, says he, I've something to tell you. Yeah, son, what's that now? I'm coming out. Of course you are, son. If, if you stayed inside, it would make it all the harder now to talk to you, wouldn't it? No, da, I'm coming out to you, says he. I fucking know you are, as I'm the only one sitting out here, sure. Who else would you be coming out from the pub to, son? Da, are you messing, says he. Uh, no, says I, are you? Do you not realise what I'm saying to you? Of course I do, son. You went inside, you came back out. Why the fuck you think you have to announce the fact when it's clear for me to see? I don't know. Have you been smoking the funny fags or something? No, da, says he. What I'm trying to say to you is that I'm gay. I'm happy too, son. Sure, why wouldn't I be with the wedding and all? But I tell you what, don't say gay for happy. Uh, people might think, you know, you're on the other side of the fence, if you know what I mean. I am, da, says he. You are what, son? On the other side of the fence. Uh, what are you talking about, son, says I. I like men, da. I, I'm gay, proper gay, says he. Love and fuck, I nearly choked on my own tongue. Jesus, says I, are you sure? Uh, how the fuck did you catch that? It, it wasn't for me, I tell you. You don't catch it, that. You're just born that way. Are you sure now? I mean, that you're gay. Like, it, it's not just a phase, like, that you might be going through. No, da, says he. It's not a phase I've known for years. It's just how I am, and I, I hope it doesn't change how you feel about me. Uh, do, does your other one know, says I? Does Safina know? 
Yes, I see that they both know. They've known for a good while now, and they're okay with it. Are you? Jesus, Garrett, it's a lot to take in. You know, you're me son. Me only son, you know. Ah, for fuck's sake, does this mean no grandkids? What am I saying? Of course it does. Jesus, where's your man with the points, for fuck's sake, says I. Are you all right, da, says he. I'm grandson, you just caught me on the hop. I never seen a coming to tell you the truth. I always thought you were a man's man. Look, Jesus, I suppose you are, huh? Do you want me to go, says he. No, no, I don't, son. You're me flesh and blood, and I love you no matter what. Granted, this isn't how I saw things panning out, but that's the way it is now, isn't it? Uh, can I ask you something? Yeah, da, of course you can, says he. Uh, do you have a, a, a boyfriend, says I. Uh, we don't say boyfriend, says he. Uh, we say partner now, da. Oh, laddie, fucking da, excuse me, says I. Well, well, do you have one or not? I do. I've been with him for over a year now. His name's Neil. A year? Jesus, Garrett, you kept that quiet now, didn't you? I didn't know how you take it, da. You can kind of go off on one, you know. Uh, can I ask you something else, son? I suppose. Do you, you know, hold hands and stuff? We do that. Jesus, that's gas all Does it not feel funny, you know, falling for a man and not a woman, says I. It just feels natural, da, says he. Loving a woman would feel weird to me, da. That's just the way I am. Can I ask you one more thing, another thing? Go on, says he. Are you sure you're gay, like? I am, says he. It's just that way. You don't look gay, Garrett. Oh, really, says he. And what does gay look like, da? I don't know, son, for Jesus' sake. I'm just saying that, you know, you don't look gay. You know, like Liberace or something. Oh, for God's sake, da, he snaps. Talk about stereotyping. I'm not. I'm not stereo. I don't have any Liberace albums, for Jesus' sake. I'm just saying, you know, if you hadn't told me, I'd never have guessed that you were. I mean, you don't sound it. Da, do you know what, says he? I'm happy that you haven't gone off on one and that you're still here talking to me. But do you know what? You're a bigoted old dinosaur. Do you know that? Now, if you want to talk to me about it, that's fine, da. But for God's sake, can we talk like adults and stop asking me stupid fucking questions? All right, all right, says I. Fair enough. I'm just a bit in shock, son, you know. I mean, you're me only, son. You won't be getting married, having kids. That means the Costello name dies with me and doesn't carry on. That stings a bit, if I'm honest. Da, says he, gay people can get married and have kids just like anybody else. Can they, says I. How the fuck does that work, then? We can adopt the baby, da, says he. Oh, says I, can I ask you one more question? One final question. Last one, says himself. Son. Any chance you'll pay for the drinks, I'm after forgetting me fucking wallet. Huh? So there you have it. Me only daughter, me gorgeous princess was about to get married to the most pretentious, overbearing prick of a bastard that ever wore shoe leather. And me only son, who I now suppose was me other princess, was gay. How did I not see that coming, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't around enough to spot it. Maybe it was because I wasn't there for them in the early years. Or maybe it was all those bloody Queen albums I bought them as a lad. The scary thing about Garrett getting the gayness was that there would be no little Costellos in the future. Sure enough, there would be grandkids. But they'd be Barton fucking Higgses and known the other fucking tool. They'd be called Jacasta, Farquhar and Oscar or something stupid like that. I consoled myself with the fact that both me kids were happy. They were healthy and they'd found love. And sure, as a parent, what more could you ask for your kids? 
I've made me peace with Garrett being gay, and in all fairness, his partner is a lovely fella altogether. Even though he has the fucking cheek to say that Elvis is a gay icon, now that's just fucking sacrilege in my book. All the long hours, the double shifts, the Sunday working, the scrimping and saving, it was all worth it to see the joy on me Safina's face when I walked her up the aisle the very next day. The wedding went off without a hitch. The sun was only splitting the trees. Me darling daughter was as happy as a soul could be. And thanks to a faulty sunbed, the other cow was a burnt lobster red. And in so much fucking agony, she had to go up to her room early. A good day all round and 380 euro well spent on tanning beds, if you ask me. Seeing me only son wearing the face off his partner on the dance floor came as a bit of a shock though, but it was nothing a large Bacardi and a quick tug from Janine and the jacks couldn't sort out. The kids had grown up and found love. I might have been too set in me ways to get to grips with their choices in life, but they were happy. And after all, as a parent, sure isn't that all you can ever hope for for your babbies? Coming up on the next episode of Off Me Block, the concluding chapter of Book 1, Stakes and Stout. Chapter 10, Mission Redundancy. Anyways, with proceedings finally drawn to a close and time being just about up on me association with the Bride of Frankenstein, I gets called into the manager's office one Friday morning in June 2012. The manager, a little prick, was sitting behind his desk, a smug grin on his face. We never got on myself and himself, he's a cork mucka fuck and a smarmy little bastard of one too. Any grown man who in the 21st century still wears a bowl haircut and a pencil moustache has to be the kind of man to fancy his own ma if you know what I mean. We clashed from the moment he took over the store and there was no chance that we were ever going to get on. So walking in to see that little fuck smiling at me unnerved me no end. I'd either been caught on the stroke or this was another customer complaint. Hello, it's Stephen Duffy here once again. Thank you all so very much for listening to Off Me Block. Coming in next week's episode is the concluding chapter of book one, Stakes and Stout. I hope that you're enjoying the book. And if you are, please share it with family and friends. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope that you'll join me for episode 10. Thanks once again for listening.